to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. Doesn't that feel good? 30 to 23 over the 49ers back in the win column. Oh, that's felt like a long time coming. Um, that that's a weight off everyone's shoulders a little bit. Like I say, it, it it's it's probably not going to be much in terms of the end result of the season, but just to get a win over the Niners and go just just to just to feel that winning feeling again, it feels like it's been a lot longer than it probably actually has been. Um yeah, great game on it. Just it, it's always a it's always a bit of a ding dong, weird classic game sort of. There's no boring games against the 49ers, and this one certainly wasn't either. Um, like I say, 30-23. You know, first half you're thinking you know we're in it, but it, it's probably going the 49ers way, and then somehow or another they they somehow spark into into life on offense and, and defense and turn it around. So yeah, um, it's one that we'll all be talking about for some time to come i'm sure and uh, talking about it tonight with me as always is pez how are you doing mr positive i'm good mate i'm good it was a fun game that wasn't it it certainly was it's like we were messaging on our chat and josh was like oh it's one of them heart attack games and i was just laughing my head off i loved it win or lose that was the most entertainment i've seen in weeks i was loving life it was chaos it was like Who's who's gonna who's gonna turn the ball over next? Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. Was just it was absolute chaos, and I'll pick it up now, James. Would you? Go on then. I knew this was coming at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get out of the way now. I'll gloat now because right, okay. For the regular listeners, you'll remember nicely that James and Josh shot me down to shit in my positive <laughs> section about Russ having a get right game, and we we're gonna win. And all my positives, and they shot me down multiple times. What do you have to say for yourself, James? Well, it, it starts with this, and it is it's sorry, positive press. I'm I, I, I said this, but I said this was your last chance. I said you, you weren't going to get any more chances after this, and you pulled it out the bag. So fair play to you, fair play. To you. I, I won't interrupt your segment this week. Like I said, bad things come in threes. Let's got them all out of the way. Boom. 
that's all he needs confidence on fire now. So we're back now, is it? Going six and all no, now, are we? No, 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 let's not get stupid. No, all right, <laughs> not there yet. Not there, not there yet. yet. And with us again, as always, is Josh. Josh, how are you, mate? I'm, uh, I'm bloody brilliant, lads. That's uh, it I've eaten a bit of humble pie, so again, yeah, sorry, Pez. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to admit I was wrong on that one because, well, we got a win. We got a win. I genuinely went to bed with a smile on my face. It was amazing. And like Pez said, it was the most chaotic game ever from that, that first touchdown from Travis Holmer. Travis Holmer. When I saw that go, I thought, Hang on, what's what's happening here? We, we look excited. We've, we've taken a chance on a fourth down, and he's gone for yeah. seventy-two meters. I, I, I generally just sat there and I didn't know what to think. And then the rest of the game plan played out, and I I still don't know what to think till about the <laughs> no till till the final whistle. I had no idea what to think. It was I, it was amazing. I think yet yeah, literally, I watched a game in, and then I couldn't believe what I watched. So I watched the forty minutes again. And I still can't believe what I watched <laughs> for the sheer chaos of that game. It's like punt return and the ball's come out. Joe yeah. Everett, the ball's come out. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on with this game? Like, what a, is going on? There's a mixture of Jimmy G being just prototypically awful and Quandre Diggs being excellent at picking him off. And then. Yep. Fucking just somehow that the offense was actually working. I mean, not not. I mean, don't get me wrong; it wasn't flawless. But compared to what we've seen, my God, it was chalk and cheese. That, that's a talking point for tonight, isn't it? it the is, offense isn't it? To, to to get the apologies out of the way now. Oh dear. Um, pretty no, no. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I remember having a discussion with you, James, or a disagreement that Jimmy G's been all right for the Niners. We found out to, on that game that he stinks as shit, and I was completely wrong, and he is just literally a moving piece for Shanahan. I really apologise for good. saying anything to do with the Niners was good. Good, because I thought you were saying that I was the one saying that Jimmy G was all right there. I was about to call you out there. I never said he was all right. So, <laughs> but no, I think I I, uh, I take your apology. I accept it. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, yeah. To be honest, I don't particularly understand why the Niners didn't, perhaps bring in Trey Lance at certain points in that game. I thought he could have done better in certain situations, but they didn't. Thank God they didn't. Um, because, like you say, Jimmy G was awful. Um, do, and we're going to go on that. Do you reckon it's because he's useless? I reckon that's probably got something to do with it, yeah. But look at, oh, yeah. So, my theory, my theory is um, he has no issue playing Eliza Mitchell, loves raving that he was an undrafted or a six-round guy, and his ego buzzing off that. He has no issues of playing that guy. Well, how how have we not seen Trey Lance whatsoever? And they burned the house to get him. Mm. Very, very... If I was a Niners fan, I'd be very, very worried of what they've got in uh, Trey Lance. To, to give my view on that, I think it's the fact that they've still got Jimmy G, who is their starter, let's face it. You've got Trey Lance, who they pushed up in the draft to get. So why chuck him in? They've already given him a couple of games. Why chuck him in the deep end for the rest of the season when they've got Jimmy G sat on the bench? Just let Jimmy G do his thing, run the course of it in the off-season, try and offload him. You never know, he might become the backup to Mike Jones at this point um, with his um, amazing passing game uh, last <laughs> night. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, and then they can just move on. I think it's just a matter of getting what you can out of Jimmy G and then palm him off somewhere. And mm. then Trey Lance can come in because they're not going to spend so much draft capital to move up to get him and then just not play him. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're not as bad at drafting as we are. No, probably not, to be fair. They've uh, they've hit on some. Sorry, I forgot I was in the uh, 49ers podcast here. Sorry, Pez. Sorry, Pez. <laughs> Sorry, just. <laughs> but yes, but that, that like I say, that is going to be something that we'll talk a little bit more on as the podcast goes on, I'm sure. Um, but like I say, touch wood, I keep saying this off air and that with, with the lads, touch wood, this should be one of the more positive podcasts that we've done. Um, because like I say, there isn't too many negatives. And although we've got the ultimate rant finder, you can find a rant in a in a desert here, Mr. Pe- Mr. Positive Prez. Um I'm sure we'll find a way to do it somehow. But yeah, I'm, I, I, we're going to talk about the players who've done well, which was a, a lot of them. That might take a bit of time to get through. And hopefully we'll skim over the, the players that particularly didn't come out with it for credit. But we're also going to talk a little bit about, because we don't think it's particularly fair to go over, and because there isn't that many who don't come out with it with any credit. Um, we're just going to pinpoint a few sort of players in the game and aspects of the game that we thought perhaps didn't, deserve any credit and perhaps still, you know, show the areas of weaknesses going forward. Um, but apart from that, you know, we'll bring in positive pairs towards the end and, and, and that's pretty much going to be it. It's just going to be hopefully positive after positive tonight. Um, so shall we start with, does anyone want to start with someone who, who, who they want to give credit to? Pez is starting for this. I'm uh, going to, I'm not going to go with an obvious one, what people might look at. Mm. Well, for me anyway, is Jordan Brooks, but, you know, I'll leave him until a bit after. I'm going to say Rashad Penny, personally, myself. Yeah. yeah. Because I just, sometimes you can look at stats and go, oh, he was awful. Like, look at his stats. Like, if I said Rashad Penny, there'll be some people out there and they'll just go, 10 rushing attempts, 35 yards. Um, He had the one screen for 27 yards. But, that's my point, is the eye test of what I saw. Like, think of everything this guy's gone through. I know as NFL fans, we can get very short with people. Like, I always say, like, goldfish memory. It's like, he's not done anything in the recent time. So he's a bust and he's crap. And I don't have any time for him. But wasn't it a breath of fresh air to see him actually make a full game? Yeah actually get meaningful reps like he was one behind Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. he was one behind Adrian Peterson and as far as I'm aware from this moment he's come out healthy yeah. and that screen pass that screen pass was beautiful 27 yards he yeah. looks explosive and strong and let's not forget his block yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. really that's, good that's... block Having, having a run, running back that's able to run, like you said, and do that blocking assignment that only Travis Homer seems to fill, that, that's what we've been crying out for. But just, It was a beautiful block as well. Like he, he knew exactly where he was going to go and he knew exactly. It wasn't one of them like you see some running backs who just try and muscle out the guy. He knew exactly how he was going to take the guy out. And mm. it, was, it was really good to see. And But then there is the rust there. There is the rust there. Like when he's shooting through gaps... Or he's running into the back of his own lineman and things like that. But people push back at me like and say, like, oh yeah, but what about that, Pez? But 
I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, mm. he looks like the only positive in that back room. Like, Adrian Peterson, man. Nice for him to get a touchdown, but he's 36 years old and he looks yeah. stiff as anything. You can't yeah. you can't beat the legs off him because he'll be broken by next week. So, yeah. re- realistically, it's Rashard Penny and it's Alex Collins when he's healthy. And I think them two could be a serious combination. Like, mm. Alex Collins has that burst in the middle, but he's proven he can't be the reliable number one. Mm. Whereas, as long as Penny can stay healthy, I'd love to see him have a good stretch to the end of the season. And then if we don't re-sign him, at least it shows he's worth yeah. a little bit and he can maybe resurrect himself. So he seems yeah. like a really nice guy. He seems quite humble. He seems mm-hmm. focused on the job at hand. And it was good to see. It was just a... It was a yeah. For the win, it was also yeah. a really nice element of that win to see him look explosive. He looked mm. like he had a lot of juice in him from like the other week where he did one run and then his army went again. It's like, yeah. it's, it's madness. That's the thing, though, with, with, with Penny, isn't it? Like, ever since he's got... Nobody hates Penny, the, the person. It's It was more the sort of, you know, if, if, any, if any hate is misdirected onto him, where it's actually should be on the front office. But when, but when he actually plays and is healthy, he does show signs of that power and that speed and that quickness. It's just that he's had an unfortunate time in his career. But I was chuffed for him, like you were, Pez. I was delighted. Yeah, it's definitely that. It, it, do you know what he falls foul of? He falls foul of the the fan base who rib, ribs him so hard. Is he falls foul of the Pete Carroll, the Pete Carroll's untouchable thing? Like it's it's not Pete's fault that like it's not his fault he got drafted in the first round. It's yeah. Pete and his and John and their terrible draft selection, and that weight is being put on his shoulders. And let's face it, at the end of the day, before he picked up that injury, he started showing what potentially why he was a first rounder. Like against the Eagles, where he burst out. And like that was it, like everyone said, the difference between Chris Carson and Penny is he has the juice to get into the open field and take it home. Um, hopefully, we can see it. Hopefully, he can build a really good last couple of games. And get his confidence. I think his main thing is his mental confidence. I think some of these niggling injuries he's picked up when he's played, I think it's more mental confidence than it is. Any little tin twinge I could imagine for us going through that situation yeah. will literally make you go, oh, no, 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 no. It's just yeah. like that, that game hopefully should spur him on for the confidence. Yeah, it, it's like you're saying, I, I'm interested in what you thought on him, Josh, as well, because for me, like you say, it was... I was just delighted to see him do well. Like I say, I know the stat line doesn't jump off the page to anyone looking at it, but for us watching it, to know what we all know what Rashad Penny's been through since he's been drafted, to see him have his day like that against the Niners in that situation, I, I was I was really really chuffed for him. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what you think. I'm I'm very much in the same sort of mindset. Like based on obviously his draft pick, he falls foul of that straight away because he's a first round draft pick and he's not shown first round caliber yet just due to his injuries. Yeah. Now, I think if he can get, as Pez said, a good run of games towards the tail end of the season, where I think we, we've all kind of noticed now that AP was brought in as that big name veteran, let him get that TD, he's now in the record books, fine. Yeah. But if we can have a Penny and Collins fit running back room, that's serviceable. I'd be happy with that. Even to the point where if Penny has a decent turn at the end of this season, 
I'd be happy for us to sign him on a one-year deal, low, low money, a prove-yourself mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And then if he does start proving himself, because let's face it, Chris Carson isn't going to be healthy for a long time if it's a neck, if it's a spinal injury, if he will be healthy. Yeah. Um, and we need to have those options. And if we've got a cheap running back like Rashad Penny, who is playing to earn a spot on the roster full-time the season after, get paid, go for it. I mean, I'm, I'm still a bit sceptical because obviously we all know about his, his injury history, but I'm happy to be proved wrong. I've been proved once already. So, yeah, I'll join you we, on that one as well. I mean, looking at the running backs as well, I thought Travis Tolman did really well. His Obviously, his rushing numbers were... Uh, inflated by that first run but I think he again it's just been more than serviceable I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole with running backs because we've got loads of players that we want to pick out but Travis Homer again he's he's doing the job that he's assigned to do you know we've seen he's we've seen he's got pace he had a decent step to turn the defender I think it was it might have been I think it might have been Ayuk who was back there yeah um to turn him on his heels um and then going for the TD and then again in his his normal sort of his role in the team, those third down plays where he'll he'll catch a pass or every now and again he'll be required to run. And his blocking assignments, you know, he's serviceable. He does well. Yeah. RB3, I'd be happy to keep him, you know, just for those special plays. As a special teamer, why not? Yeah. Um, James, would you like to go with your player first? Sure, I will. My left? Go on. Again, I might get a little bit of pushback on it. I try not to do, when we do this, I try not to do like the obvious ones because we all know what the obvious ones are at times. But I can see Pez is already smirking and shaking his head because I think he knows who I'm going to say. <laughs> but I will bang his drum a little bit. I'm not saying he's legit or who we should be wanting going forward, starting at, at cornerback. But I have to say, again, I thought Sidney Jones did well. I I, I, I know I know he's not. I know he's not the ideal starting cornerback, but in terms of what we've seen, you know, we've seen pretty much as bad a starter as you can get in terms of Trey Flowers. I think that's fair in, at the NFL level. For Sidney Jones to come in is 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 what he's been in the league, what, six, seven years and started for most of that time. He's experienced. He makes some he's made some really smart, like high IQ top quality players on the ball and pass defence and he had that pass coverage um, in the back of the end zone on that final Niners drive on the third down or, or whatever it was. Um, do you know, it, I, I know he makes mistakes. I know he gives up some some players. Um, but I just thought that, again, he doesn't, he's not getting the credit that he should really get. Like I said, I'm not saying he's excellent. I don't think he is excellent, but I think he's good. I think he's solid and I think he's doing a job for us and without him, I think we'd have we'd look a lot worse because, like I say, the, the likes of Ayuk, Ayuk didn't didn't get involved. I think I don't think he had a catch until the second half. I know Kittle obviously broke away, but I don't think that was particularly on on Sydney Jones. Um, that's just our incapability of defending screens and. That's because we didn't have KJ. That's yeah. Again, KJ that whole debate comes back. Um, but yeah, for for Sydney Jones, I think fair play to him. He's coming in. When he's asked to go on the field for the for 70, 80% of the time, he's holding his own, he's making plays, he's doing well. So I'll, I'll throw Sidney Jones out there for me. I like that. Um, now, mine's really left of centre because, like I said in the last pod, I want to see the young guys get some some game time. Mm. And now this was 
it was brought on due to injury, but I've been dying to see this guy. Um, I'll give you some stats. So he's six foot eight. He's three hundred and seven pounds, um, and he is a monster out of Florida. Stone Forsyth came on. Stay, came on at right tackle, and for his first NFL game to face Bosa, yeah, he did bloody well. Same right. with Jake Kerhan for me as well. Those two, you know. Kerhan as well, who's originally a tackle being asked to play a guard, like like you're saying. Yeah. They're not just going up against like the Texans front seven or whatever. Like that's Arden Key, Nick Bosa, you know, there's some Armstead, there's some very decent players on there. And like I said, other than that one that Kerhan gave up on the on the sack for Russell Wilson, I, I didn't really hear their name called for good reasons, if you know what I mean. So yeah, like you said, I can completely go along with that with Stone Forsyth. I'm looking forward to because I genuinely think he is the left tackle incumbent when Dwayne Brown decides yeah. he's actually too old. Because we've seen the downturn in Brown and we know Forsyth was signed in the draft to be that sort of that replacement. Yeah. He's got he's got some reps now playing an NFL team, a, a D line which is, let's face it, is pretty pretty much up there when it comes to elite D lines. Yeah, yeah. And he held his own. And I think that's going to speak first. It's if he gets moved to left tackle and he gets the the trust and respect from Russ, will be brilliant, and he'll be brilliant as well. So I, I really enjoyed watching him play, really did. And it's rare I look at the old line because I'm, <laughs> you know, one of my points for later is not shining the best possible light on them. Oh, yeah. yeah I look forward to that then. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible for that. I'm really, I'm really bad for like old linemen. I'm like. Did I hear the name? Did I hear the name? I didn't hear the name, so they must have done good. Yeah. <laughs> and then James is like, no, mate, no. They were terrible. I was like, all right, okay. Edit that out. Um, from the old line, I'm going to go back to special teams because I think he's my one of my guys. Love him to bits. And I think he's really shining as a kick returner now. DJ Dallas. Yeah. We're all there, yeah? yeah, yeah. Because some of them runs like, like, like we spoke about multiple times. Like I've said, like you, you get him to a sideline, and he's just so elusive. Like for his size and things, he can just he just gets them yards. Like five, uh, five returns are one hundred and twenty nine yards. That's twenty five point eight. Yards uh, average, 33 was his longest. Could you imagine if they put kick returns in fantasy? Oh. Everyone, oh. everyone, everyone would be bombing his head off, wouldn't they, right now? He'd get a lot more recognition. But honestly, watching this game, I was looking at him and I was thinking, it's only a matter of time before he breaks completely yeah. free. Yeah, and I don't know whether because he's such a hyperactive puppy. I don't know whether you just get overexcited and like fumble the ball on the one yard line or something. Do, do you know what I really or... like? Oh god, you know, <laughs> mate, that that's just that, that's nearly as bad as butt <laughs> fumbling that, isn't it? Um, but do, do, do you know what I really like about him? And the same DJ Reed when he was kick returning last year, when they run, they run with such force, and you can literally see the point in which that they in which they speed up. So where the acceleration point is, it's about between the 10 and 5 metres before they hit contact. Mm-hmm. 
and and that's what you want because that's what's going to give you the the best momentum to break through and he when he goes he is like a missile as soon as he hits into someone as soon as he sees people running towards him he knows and he's going to try to break through i really i also had a like kind of one of my pez thoughts on it as well is i think it's going to be really good for his game because the more success he has on kick returning the more it's going to harden him up it's going to make him stronger and it's going to hopefully help him propel into the running back because clearly they don't trust him at running back even though he could be used like penny on screens like i said in the previous podcast you get him out to the sidelines and he like like josh just said he has that burst he really does and he's quite slippery so even like who who did they throw that screen to and he just got absolutely gobbled up straight away like within a split second, it was disgusting, mm. horrible. Yeah, I know which one you mean. Did I write? I might have written a note on it, but What's yeah, it I. Well, Homer got one or two on on that opening drive. That on that third down, it was Homer before the big fake kickoff. No, fake no, because Homer got. I, th- I think it might have been Everett because he got he got yeah. absolutely mullered, didn't he? For a tackle yeah. for loss. It, it, yeah. He had that and, fumble as well, didn't he? That that was a screen, the one way he fumbled it on. It's, sure it's just mad because. Because, like we said previously, uh, DJ Dallas is, is a XY receiver. Mm. And it shows, because like Josh said, the speed he attacks at Hull is everything you want to see in a running back, who, especially in a team where they want to drive the ball straight down the middle, so it's mad he doesn't get more opportunities. But it's also going at that speed, how many times you see a ball pop out because of it. So that, to me, shows he, he's got solid hands as well. So he, he could hopefully this will give him opportunities because he's been really good all year. Like I think he's even in the Pro Bowl vote and he's even up there as like one of the top kick top. returners in the NFC. Um, last time I saw, so hopefully this could really propel him into getting some more work, like you know in in the first team and that, not just being that kick returner. Unless he's just like a hasty and just gets absolute. Is it? Hasty, yeah. Hester and just becomes a kick return absolute monster. Well, I, I think so. Hester, Hester was kick return in college, and it was an absolute human highlight reel. So I think it's one of those roles that Dallas will grow into. But what you also find a lot of teams is that they put someone at kick returner because they're then going to end up moving forward and being one of their starting wide receivers or running backs. So Nicole Hardman for the Chiefs is that for his, for example, he was kick returner when he first came in. And he's gradually moved and becoming more and more involved in plays because he learns the system. And hopefully that'll happen for Dallas because yeah. Dallas, like you said, running back but can also act as an extra receiver for you, which is what it just gives another another avenue for Russ to explore when throwing the ball. So look, yeah. so look at this. It's like Washington, he only had one return that went for 27 yards. The Cardinals, one return for uh, 20 yards. Three returns for 79 yards, 26 uh, average, 32 longest. So he's progressively getting better. I'll just have a quick check on that Jags game. As a bit of a one return for 21 yards. Like he's progressively getting better with it as he goes along. And you can see it when you watch the games, his technique and his style when he hits his holes and his gaps and stuff. He's, Mm. He's learning more and more every game to like get free and 
slip away and this that, and the other. I think he's just like, like I said, he's like a hyperactive puppy, isn't he? So the more he yeah. does things right, the more it's just going to give him confidence to try even more crazy shit. And I'm all up for that because I, I honestly think against like the Texans, who aren't that great, he could bust out. He could bust out for the fucking kick return touchdown. Really could. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone else we want to talk about? Because I, I, I'm interested to bring up a topic on these kickoff returns that I'll that that I'll bring up in a, in a little bit because we saw that in one more, one, one more, and we've we've slated him and said we don't know where he's been or what he's done. Um, in fact, I've got I've got two. I've got one on some oh, hero which we never talk about, and I've got another one that we've we. Obviously, put him in our bad books, but the unsung hero is Nick Ballor. We never talk about him, but the man is an absolute machine. I have yeah. got so much respect for that man because, as a fullback who doesn't really get the ball, let's face it, in offense, he is like an additional linebacker. And as a kickoff sniper, do they call it? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so as soon as the ball's kicked, he's always one of the first people there. And when he hits people, he hits people. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for that part of the game. Yeah. The, the the other person who I wanted to discuss, who we've we've given some stick to over the last few weeks because he's gone missing all season after making such a fantastic impression when he came in midway through last season, is Carlos Dunlap. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give yeah, you that yeah, one. Safety, yeah. safety, and the game-ending bat. That's that's all you need to know. I mean, he yeah. I was I was listening to him the other day, and I think he only, he was only actually in the game for seven plays or something, yeah. something ridiculous. S- seven and seven reps, twelve percent. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And he does that. Now, yeah, if yeah. there is obviously we, there's a lot of calls for Robinson and for Daryl Taylor to get more snaps, but if Dunlap's doing that, so two top tier plays. From seven reps, now, I'm no math genius, but if you put him in for 14, surely you're going to get four, and so on and so forth. It's just law of averages and numbers, so give him more opportunity. Yeah. I understand rolling people in and out, but when it comes to games like this where you need to win, you need something to happen, you need your vets to be able to step up, and he did that. So, fair play. Carlos done that. Big clap. It's also... um... The, the usage with him. So he's getting a lot of stick off a lot of people and we've given him stick. But... Oh, uh, um, yeah. So his limited snap count, what did I saw? Uh, I, I heard it on a podcast, um, I think for this, on the season, I think he's like 20% or maybe less for, for the I whole season. On, on the Man to Man podcast. Yeah, and... Within within that, they were saying like he was in coverage. Like the man is a lot older than some of the younger guys. Why are you using him and Mayoa in coverage? Yeah. So, but without going on a you know rant about it, that's probably why as well he's not production. Back down passes, fucking hell, mate. If 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 that was what Lyman only went off, he'd be like all pro. Because he's a monster at doing it, isn't he? He's yeah. madness. Here's your, here's your five snaps, mate. And he'll always uh, snap one down. Um, just this, before we move... Go on, Josh. Did you have something to say? I was going to say, it, 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 not, obviously not letting me take it to a negative, but it might be a discussion point for later for us. Do you think after our pass rush was so impressive at the tail end of last season, 
the coaching staff might have gone, well, we've got that down, but what we need to sort out is coverage. So let's put all our pass rushes back there as well. And also keep Adams back there. Just a thought. I don't have to discuss it, but I, I was genuinely mm. watching that game and thinking, mm. have we just tried to overcompensate? Well, we'll pick that up in a minute. Like, literally, after. We can't <laughs> really, we can't move on from a positive section, really, without mentioning Russ. We really can't. Yeah, okay. We really can't. If, if anyone wants any indication to not need to worry about Russell Wilson anymore, go and watch on loop until you figure it out, Tyler Lockett's touchdown pass. One game ago, last week, he's never making that. Or the week before, he's never making that pass. That is pinpoint moon ball Russell Wilson style. And you know it is because Tyler even knew it. Watch Tyler when he's about to receive it. He has his hands close to his chest and literally just flips them out at the wrist and the ball lands in the bucket. If anyone wants to question whether Russell Wilson can throw a deep ball or throw a pass anymore, yeah. you uh, just go and watch that on highlight reel and figure you, it out. Could you imagine if, if Lockett was half a step quicker as well and he'd have caught that fake, that, that little reverse from Metcalf yeah. to Wilson as well? That was yeah. that that was vintage. That there was nothing wrong with the throw, was it? So, oh no, no. Tyler it, got a bit yeah. Tyler got a bit tangled up at the yeah. him and the defender, they got handsy, what slowed yeah. him down yeah. from his break. Um so he could have easily got that. And then you look at it, so <laughs> me and James decided to join the Niners Twitter spaces because I put on there um, a guy always puts who's going to win the games and tags us in it uh, on Twitter and I said it's Russ's get right game and this guy decided to quote tweet me going anyone taking this taking the piss out of me so we saw he was on live so we joined it that was interesting and they just like slated us like they would the Niners fans bitter uh, slated us, we're <laughs> shy, we're done, we're going to get pasted, it's going to be a blowout, how are you going to feel at half-time when uh, you, you've got nowhere to hide? Don't at me when we blow you out. So anyone listening to this podcast who's on Twitter, what's his uh, what's his tag? It's oh. at Shant Club NFL is his tag. Yes, at Shant Club NFL. Go and at him. <laughs> Some nice yeah. Seahawks related things. Yeah. Was that, was, um, was that shant, as in shant? Yeah. Shant, as in shant, shant, shit banter. Shite it says a lot yeah. for a 49ers fan, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we decided to join there. And the funny thing about it was, James basically turned around and went, because they were slating Ross I like you'd expect. James went, it doesn't pass in the middle of the field. It doesn't do shorts intermediate. It doesn't do this and doesn't do that. I swear to God, Ross was in there, because that's all he fucking did. Everything Anyone, I said in there, the exact opposite. I said Gerald Everett was a monster. We need to get him the ball. He fumbled about three times. <laughs> Russell Wilson doesn't throw over the middle of the field. He, he exploits it all game. I mean, I'm going to get you like a black cloak and a sickle. You can just stand there <laughs> over 49ers games. But come on, you two and everyone listening, like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, where's it been? Where, where's the middle of the field been? Why did he choose the Niners? I know he loves smashing Niners' heads off. But where's he been? And he looked amazing. He, he, mm-hmm. he, 
he looked more confident in the middle of the field than anywhere else on the throwing. Like, I was watching it like, is he on drugs? Probably is still with his. Is he on some wild on CBD or something now? Yeah. It's like he, his lawful got in touch with him with CBD and like <laughs> hooked him up with some good stuff. Because Matt, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He was quick. He, oh, yeah. He was excellent. Yeah, he was excellent. Gushing. So, so that was the best best performance we've seen in a long time. Ross is back. Ross is back. Let's go. Um, Shall we move on to the parts of the game? Like I said, we won't talk about the players that don't come away with credit because, like I say, it's only really Everett. And to be fair, even still, I think that's slightly being harsh on Everett because he has been good since we signed him when he's brought in the ball. It's a bad game. I don't want to, you know, bash him too much. Um, Go on then, mister. It just, it really, really annoyed me. Because you are right, he has been really good and he probably make amends against the Texans and will. we'll all be happy. But for the context of talking about the game, he was he was really poor in pretty much every aspect he did. Like the walking touchdown, it's almost like he'd already processed the catch in his head mm. before securing the football. Yeah. Like loose hands going into going into a power, you the ball halfway up in the air, and oh man! Fair play on the volley though, you know that was that was oh, halfway to like a, a Tony, Tony Abola over the head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, just a, just a pity there was a forty-nine play. Yeah, like it's it's not it's like a it's like a semi run on him because it was if we lost the game then oh it would yeah have been, yeah that's fair oh hello because. I do think to myself, I do think with him, with games like that, and he's had, he's had a few drops in the past and things like that, it's like, with Will Disley and Parkinson there, do you re-sign him? Because in my opinion, the limited targets Disley's had, to me, he looks like the old Disley, solid, never misses, always ready for a fight, always like that one on the sideline where he could have easily just stepped out. But he stepped in and tried taking two defenders on. He has also dropped a, a pretty pretty uh, makeable pass this season, hasn't he, Disley? I'm not I'm not saying that he's he's bad or anything, yes, but he you has. know. So has I he so, but, but has he fumbled the ball the twice? No, he hasn't fumbled the ball. Twice. No. I, I think that before before we get ahead of ourselves, it, it was a bad game for everyone. And he's proved that he is a great tight end and he's a good asset to us. He's a, he, had, he had a shit game. Everyone's allowed one, you know. Any sportsman will tell you that the majority of amateur ones have had wor- more worse than good. But as a professional, you're allowed to have an awful game. Right? This was his game. This was the one where during the season, if he could if he could take any back, it'd be this. I, je- I, I don't know about signing him next, next year. It'd do, depend on the money. Yeah. But like you said, we've got Colby Parkinson who needs more reps, and we've got Will Disley who I, I love Uncle Will. I think he's a brilliant player. But Everett offers you that that something different because he's got wide receiver speed at a tight end. That's rare. So I think it's one of those. I think we'll wait till next week. Make sure his confidence hasn't been hit too much because again, if his confidence has been hit, you might see a downturn. But if he just comes straight back. And Russ has a word about his neutral mindset, getting him back in gear, he'll be fine. Hmm. Um, but yeah. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all, 
I'm not hitting him too hard. Like, there's not much negatives really players wise to talk about. I've got a GB man there. Yeah, you've got, you got your one negative in there. Yeah, he's got to get. <laughs> oh one no, there. no, that that was a semi one. I've got I've got a bigger point to talk about after. Can, 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 I, can I also just very quickly just do a quick round of applause for DS Gridge on his first uh, yes. NFL touchdown. Well done, D, well coming done, back from the uh, very, very long concussion protocol. This is the thing for me. Like when you moved on to the negatives, I was like, but there's so many more positives. Like DS Gridge, <laughs> the offense yeah. as a whole, like the motion, uh, the adjustments. Like using was, all the fields, it was it was a it was obviously without Chris Carson there. If we had Chris and the running game was on full speed, it was the Colts game again. Yeah. So yeah. I think we can probably bring it though into this section, and we can actually talk about where has it been, why is it? Because it is a negative essentially. It is a real good positive in the game, but mm. as a season wide picture is actually a, a massive negative that it's took us to be three and eight for this offense style to come back now yeah i'll talk out my quick opinion on it yeah. i honestly think chucking in there as well the whole jody allen stuff what came out on the weekend like there's there's, there's a reason that came out when it did and then all of a sudden, we start playing offense like we saw at the very start of the season. Now, followed this team for multiple years since the whole Pete Carroll era. And except for the Colts game, every other game has been played in a style that I've watched for multiple years. So I, I know who I'm looking at there. The first game was I've never seen that before. Who's new? Shane. This game. With all the motion, all the movement, all the before snap stuff, using the whole field, using the middle of the field. Shane, some of, we we only seen in the Colts game. Hmm. So it didn't it didn't look like Pete Carroll's offense until that sort of <coughs> that last little yeah. drive and that that you know when we tried to put the game away. But other than no, that, when he when he went full prevent after we got thirty yeah, points yeah. and his his defense. The defense really tightened up yeah. uh, after the first half because they can be brought up in a bit of a negative for that first half performance. And I thought it was a bit horrible and sloppy. But I honestly thought they were doing so well in the second half. You saw Pete Carroll take over and it all went prevent. It all went mm. not converting any third downs, um, stopping them on defense, not doing anything on offense, running the clock. So can we see a clear picture in one game of what he truly wants to do and what Pete's version of this game is. I said it last week. Uh, so anyone that's listened to this, feel free to, to go back and listen to it. Um, I said last week, all I want to see for the, the rest of the season is young players come in. I want to see Pete turn around to Waldron and go, you know what? I've tried it my way. Do it your way. And it happened. I genuinely, looking at that game, thought this isn't the usual Pete Carroll offense. Like yeah. we were saying, there was a lot of motion, there was misdirection, there were there were there were plays and, and slants just going on that we've not seen all season. Now that must come from somewhere. 
and there's been no other coaching changes. So all I can think is that it's Shane Waldron's offense. Mm. He's actually been able to run what he wanted to. And it's made such a difference, a considerable difference. Just, mm-hmm. just look at how exciting the game was. Yeah. You know, from every facet that we watched, the, the even the defense when we weren't performing amazingly, that first half, my God, even that made it exciting. And then the offense, every time we got the ball, I wasn't going, oh, it's going to be a run. It's going to be a pass out there to no one. It's yeah. going to be missed. You know, and it, it just kept me on my toes. Yeah. And for a fan, that's exciting. That's what we wanted. When we got rid of Shotty and we brought him in and all the players were ranting and raving about how intricate his system was, how they were all on board, how they all loved it, how they can't wait to play it. Mm. That's what we all wanted to see. And let's face it, that is that is what we want to see going forward for the rest of the season because Absolutely. we've got games that are winnable against teams that aren't amazing. The Rams are what the... Rams and Cardinals are the two that we probably need to look out for. Mm-hmm. We, we've got a legitimate chance to get some decent wins. And that's yeah. what it's going to come down to for the rest of the season, have decent wins and taking chances like we did in this game. Absolutely. So if it's Waldron's offence, I'm, I'm all go for it. Full ball for Waldron. And if it is, it's even more reason to be excited for Waldron for me personally, because how what, what do we all know... How how is Russell Wilson most effective, or when is he at his most effective in terms of the, the offensive schemes? It's it's when he's got play action, in my opinion, and when he's able to throw mm-hmm. over the middle of the field. And we haven't had a running back to allow him to do play action. He wasn't particularly doing play action against the Niners, and yet he's still looking that good. And it's still you know a bad offensive line. Like you say, even though we've had Forsyth and Kerhan come in and play well, you know that's you know an undrafted free agent rookie in Kerhan being asked to play guard in his full sort of NFL debut when he's normally a tackle and then you've got Storm Forsyth coming in. So it, it, it's one of the reasons why we, we, we just do get so frustrated, isn't it? Because you can see the talent in terms of the receivers and and, and in the running backs when they're healthy, when we can get Russell Wilson back to play action. If we could just do that, if we could just get Russell Wilson back to play action and give him a, just an, a, a, a solid offensive line again, that that's as far away that like this offense is from being as as top level as, as we've seen it before in my opinion it's not like we need a complete new receiving core we need three new tight ends it's no you've got all the fundamental pieces you just need to add a couple more solid linemen and give Russell a running back who he can allow him to do play action again and, and that's it so like I say if that's if that's Waldron running that offense without all of that then even, even it was bigger my biggest me. bug there like the the O line was, and the reason I picked out Stone Forsyth was because in that first quarter, the O line had more holes in it than Swiss cheese, <laughs> and Russ was getting hit so many times, yeah. or getting pressured so often that I started to feel bad for Russ. Oh yeah. Where you know I'm of the opinion, you know, you're a professional sportsman, you have to expect to take it. Now, you're, as a quarterback, you probably expect to take one or two sacks a game. Now, Russ takes so many it's scary and that first half especially our o-line they they look so scared of the pass rush coming off the edge mm. that we had you know we had early movement yeah yeah and they, they just they didn't know what to do and you have people like like bosa who's just running around people 
Yeah. His swim move is just he, he just he manages to turn O lineman inside out mm. just by moving his hands. And that was evident in that the first what two thirds. And then yeah. Stone comes on, clears up the edge, Kerhan comes on at guard. Apart from that one that he unfortunately let slip by, yeah. looked very serviceable. We just need everyone else to act like that. I think we missed Damian Lewis in this game. Yeah. Massively. But I think with a couple more pieces, I think, to be honest, the big, biggest thing for us is going to be tackles. Brandon Shell isn't a great tackle. Mm. Um, Dwayne Brown was an elite tackle. He's now, what, 53? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's yeah. unfair. No, I think he's, what, he's 37, um, maybe 38. But obviously, his, his time is ticking. You can't be doing that for too much longer against young, quick and strong pass rushers. If Thibodeau comes in, well, as he will come in next year from Oregon, yeah. whoever he gets signed by, he gets signed to anyone in the NFC, and we have to play them, I fear for Russell Wilson if he lines up against Dwayne Brown because he will have the best of him all game. And for those who don't know, that Thibodeau is the, the pass rusher from Oregon. Yeah, very good. As a, as a Duck fan, he, he's been the highlight of this season for me. I love watching him. But anyway, anything to say on that, Pez? Or do you want to move on to a different topic? Um, I just agree with everything Josh said. I'm not that like, like I've said previous times, when it comes to the O-line, I'm so looking at Ross, the running back, and the receivers that I kind of just ignore them. It's not like kind of my spot to look at. So I rely on Josh to, uh, <laughs> you, you, to bail me out. I can't see. Because we, we do this over Spotify and not over video. Uh, Pez was essentially just doing the smile and wave, boys. Just <laughs> smiling and nodding. If you've just done a wave, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, mate, yeah. Pretty much. Like, don't get me wrong, I see it when someone gets put on their ass or rolled over and stuff, but you said it all anyway, so I'll leave my limited knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I something that's annoyed me throughout the season for, for years now and something again I've mentioned multiple times is the trick play and the fake punt even though they are great and the outcome was great where have they been? Like where where have they been? Like at the start of the year, I said Pete because Pete used to do these things like in the in the most clutchest games, like the championship game against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Like you you have the balls to go for it on fourth down in the Niners championship game, wasn't it? Where Russ went for it on fourth down, he got the flag, and then he got the touchdown. Yeah, and then you do the fake pun the year after in the championship game. So you have to book yeah. contenders to do it in a game like that, and then absolutely bottle yourself and just play it safe for that many years. And it, it, it's frustrated me for seasons now. You see all these teams do trick pays, and there's just old Seattle just being vanilla and horrible. So even though they were great to see, like where have they been? I'll tell you when it stopped, in my opinion, when Doug Baldwin retired. That seemed to me because they used to run quite a lot with Doug Baldwin. Like I remember, like the Eagles, you know, when like he threw it to 
Baldwin, and then Baldwin threw it to Wilson in the end zone, and like Tone, it seemed yeah. to me, Rush to me what, yeah. It, but other than after Baldwin retired and like cursing that, basically at the start of like this whole locket generation and era type thing, and you know obviously now Metcalf as well. It seems like since this new era of receivers have been ushered in, they don't run as many new trick plays now. Like I say, it, it's it's relatively the same offensive schemes. You know, you've had different offensive coordinates, but like we keep saying, it's you know it's Pete's offense. So like you say, Pete, I don't particularly know and I don't particularly understand why. Because like I say, when when you watch, like I watch Red Zone every week and everything like that, and the Chiefs, the Ravens, all these, the Packers, all these constantly evolving teams that run these high-powered, you know, tricky offenses, the Rams. They, they do all these trick plays every week, and for us, it's like one one a season if if we're lucky. So you're right. It, it, it is. We've got two this game, and we got two. They, they come in bunches. No, but although the, uh, the the trick play, I don't know if anyone else saw this. The trick play where he threw it to Metcalf and he threw it back. Yeah. There was a split split second there where I didn't think Metcalf was going to throw it back because it's like he receives it, he turns around, and I think in the back of his mind it's like I could just go. No, no, throw it back, throw it back. That's the play. Yeah. So he threw it back, but he threw it back just as Russ, Russ had an oncoming defender. Yeah. So the DT was coming straight at him. And I thought, oh God, he's going to get sacked here, isn't he, for trick play? And then luckily <laughs> threw it out. And like I said, it was that half a step to yeah. lock it. And that I looked, amazing. I looked at it more in the sense that, kind of knowing a bit what DK's like, I looked at it and I thought, when he kind of like shaped to go downfield, I thought he needs head, he thought, I can make this roll. Yeah, I, I, exactly. could do this. Exactly. I could do this. No, 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 no. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you know what, though? My point there about where has it all been and, like, how's it took to with three and eight for these all, all these things to come in? So my biggest bugbear of where I'd say to all the listeners is... It's the Niners. It's great to beat the Niners, but I wouldn't get too carried away with yourselves in thinking like, oh, it's just a one-year slump and this, that, and the other. Because in this game, there was still the three and outs. There was still the ugly three and 12 and let's just give up and dump it off to Homer on the screen and let him get tucked down after three yards. Essentially, you might as well, when Russ got sacked, just go... Here you go, lads, and walked off the field then and not fucked around because you you literally gave up that series after the sack. Like, how many times? How many times do we see teams like even though Russ got that big sack and it was second and whatever? How how many times do you see teams? Because a lot of teams expect you to just give the series up. But how many teams in this modern day do you see actually giving it a go? Yeah. But not us. It's the same. It's the same things over, like, like we said at the end of the game, that prevent mode and mm. stuff. The the still glaring pointers here that it was really good to see. The chaos was great. It was a good field game, but I wouldn't get over carried away with yourselves with thinking that. Yeah, because why is it took till three and eight? Do do you think just before you ask another question, do you think? It's because there's nothing to lose now. Because we have got, so we've now got a 3% chance of making the playoffs. Do you think they've now gone, well, might as well have a bit of fun? So, 
So to that, when you said that, it literally the first thing that came into my head was that Green Bay Championship game. Russ, um, that if we didn't do that fake pump and it pull off, we would have just hands out lost that game. Mm. So it's it's almost like Pete in his head. This is his 2015 Championship game in a season. What, like you said, Josh, is probably true, even though like multiple podcasts and multiple. Um, media personalities to do with the Seahawks have turned around and basically said, like, how is the team like totally on a different level to what everyone else is seeing? And they're like, oh, because we can get it done, we can get it done. But like you said, Josh, I don't think it's that. I think it's Pete's just like, as he clearly stated in the press conference, and I will hold this against him forever, I am done. I do think it's come to a point where in his head, he knows. So now he will try anything to salvage anything. Mm. But the, but to, to add something to this, what really, what like this, this pissed me clean off. Like when I read this, I was like, what a great game. That game was class, but this is why nothing's changed with this team. Two snippets. Carol notes, Tyler Lockett gave a speech last night. He thinks set a tone for today's game. So here we are yet again on the speech talk of pointlessness. To then move on, and this one's worse. Anyone listening, if this doesn't boil your piss, then I don't know what will. Oh, blows for those American listeners. Carlos Dunlap says... The team had a long talk about their why last night. Context, whilst you're listening to this, remember we are three and eight when we're having a conversation about our why. It gets worse. Got to know each other a lot better. Had one of those hard talks. Like, this is a question I'd love anyone listening to get in touch with us and have your... I'd look like there's something we could bring up on the lives we do and have your say because I'd be intrigued to see if anyone's got any pushback on me feeling pissed that it's the same crap as last year but in a worse situation. Like mm. if you're three and eight, why you have why are you even having conversations about getting to know each other better when essentially this team hasn't changed except for a couple of pieces? Like, mm. what the fuck do you lot do? Like, Pete Carroll's making out like you're all buddies and chum, chummy, chummy. But now you've still got to get to know each other week 13 in the season when you're three and eight. How about you started doing it when things started going to shit earlier? I think it's, it's one of those, it's, it's what I used to call with my teams an honesty chat. So you get to breaking point and you just have to have that chat where you will let people just fire off and be as brutally honest as possible whether it's opinion or facts and you just have to absorb it and i hope that's what happened because i hope people have pointed fingers and gone you've been shit you've been shit you've been all right but i expect better from you you know and then praising people where praise is due but that's what i genuinely hope's happened but i'm totally with you i don't get how it's got to this point in the season then to have to have that chat after two two losses, three losses. So to take what you just said then, like if that is the case, then all this rah-rah that the team's still together and 
um, we're still fighting it and we're still doing this. If that, like, from your experience in rugby, if that's the case, then surely internally, like, it's like you said, it's all desperation, isn't it? To have a conversation like that when you're three and eight is broken. Yeah. Like we said on previous podcasts, like, not to go on too much about it with it being a winning stuff, but like, everyone's got to be realistic and not get blinkered. Like, I've seen people on Twitter saying, like, all oh, you clowns who thought it was a, just a one one year slump, uh, what you're saying now and all this. It's like, don't have goldfish memory. And what you felt before the Niners game is still very true. It's Sim- simple as. From from a coaching point of view, the the honesty talk should have happened earlier. I mean, after the first loss, you go, right, let's put things right in training. Second loss, you go, right, obviously that didn't work. Let's keep working. You can get to three or four losses bef- before it then comes to a, a crunch point from a coaching point standpoint and from a player's standpoint where you need to go. Right, something isn't working. We need to figure out what it is. We need to involve the players. They need to tell us. Because by there's nothing more embarrassing. A coach can dig you out. They can call you out as much as you want. And you go, nice one. Cheers, mate. Let's go off and carry on playing with my mates. If one of your mates, one of your teammates, calls you out on the shit you are not doing or you are doing wrong, you have to start to sort of stand up and, and listen because you have to go, Oh, wait, so but you're on the field with me and, and you see that, but you haven't had the balls to tell me, but now you're telling me in public forum. A, it's a bit embarrassing. B, it needs to be resolved quick because those those chats go one of two ways. It's either the feedback's taken with integrity, honesty, the way it's meant, and people will work on it, or it causes massive rifts. Now, it looks like it went the former with this, which is good, but we, we were yet to see it. When we play the Texans uh, this week, sincerely hoping that things keep progressing and we keep doing better. But time will tell. It's an interesting one. It's like I say, it's it's becoming a an annual thing now where we have these uh, little uh, little get-togethers, little mothers' meetings in the VMAC. Um, but like I say, if if people have pointed fingers and sort of aired some proverbial dirty laundry a little bit and sort of some harsh harsh words have been said but you know true words hopefully and that reaps the rewards and if that means certain people get moved on at the end of the year or it forces you know the front office into action because and i know if i i know if i was russell wilson in that meeting and i was allowed to voice my actual opinion and we just said yeah it's off the record nothing's going to be not going to be used just tell us how you feel i know i would use that chance to voice my frustration at the front office for the lack of offensive line investment that I've been given that that would be one of the main you know topics that I would bring up if I was Russell Wilson so if he's done something like that and or if he said look Pete or if Waldron's turned around and said look Pete you, you brought me in here to be the offensive coordinator and I'm not you know I've, I've, I'm I'm wearing handcuffs every Sunday like can you just give me a bit of just let me do what my job description says and what you hired me to do if, if something like that's been said then then I'm all for it. Like I say, it, it's 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 harsh words. It, it might be some people might be hurt by it. Some people might have taken it the wrong way. But at the end of the day, I, do whatever you need to do to make this team start winning again. As I don't care what you don't care what needs to be said. Say it, and let's and let's start you know moving in the right direction again. 
Mm. So it's a fine, it's a fine line you tread. It's like I've I've banged this drum a couple of times when we've mm. been on this pod. You're professional sports people. You get paid in in the NFL millions to play a sport you excel at and you enjoy. So if you're going to get butt hurt by someone saying you are not doing your job to your fullest, like to your best potential, mm. then that's on you as a person. That is a matter of you need to put your big boy pants on and say, if I'm getting digged out by dug out by one of my coaches, one of my colleagues, you know, one of my, you know, someone in the same position as me, someone who's integral to the team, then I need to start taking that on board because I've just been paid 16 million for the season or whatever, and I'm not doing what I'm being paid for. And if my teammates are noticing it, you know, damn well the fans are noticing it. You know, damn well the sportscasters and podcasters are. And I think that that's that's the type of thing that people just need to appreciate. There's a lot of people out there that defend professional players, and you know we've we're going to be very fortunate next week. We will have a professional player on or an ex-professional yeah. player in Longford Tupu. So it's one of the questions I want to ask him. I want to see how those things go, and you know if you do get called out, what is your motivation after that? Because I know my motivation was always big middle finger. A big fat fuck you, and I'm going to go and prove what I can do. Those that don't are the ones that you said will probably see some movement in the off season. Yeah, like I say, it, it's we're saying all this like they might have said all this. They've probably just done two truths and a lie, probably <laughs> between the lot of them, or some little some little schoolyard little classroom activity or something to get pulling the name out of a hat. Yeah, somebody says that DK Metcalf isn't running as quick as he should do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, my my little sort of um, criticism from the get not not criticism really but the point that I thought I'd, I'd bring up it's not Seahawks related really it the point that I thought was disappointing it, it's more of an NFL issue and for me it's the kickoff returns and we saw Trent Cannon get oh. that injury and it and re, I mean regardless of who you support who you play you, you just don't like to see stuff like that it is scary when you see the ambulance come on it's oh, it's scary. Um, you know, we, we, I'm sure a lot of us and a lot of people listening will remember, you know, injuries like Shazir and watching these innocuous little injuries that, you know, turn out to be career ending. And it is scary. Um, and I also don't know if, if any of you two lads or anyone listening watched any of the XFL and the way they've sort of tried to format their new kickoff system where basically the kicker kicked it and he was like the only one in his half and they both sort of... Yeah. Both teams lined up like five yards away. yards back or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they only moved once the kicker, like the receiver, had the ball, and it was it, it looked a lot safer. Um, so I just thought I'd bring bring that up with that sort of that happening in in the game and so early on, and, and obviously people talking about it, and it looks like thankfully that he's he, it was only a concussion or a minor injury or something. Um, I just thought it is is it something that you think needs addressing in terms of because we all love like like you said we've mentioned like people like Devin Hester and people like that we all love when we see a kickoff return go go to the house it, it's exhilarating really it, we all love it but you know it, it it is the cause of so many injuries and you I, I always think I, could I, I can imagine being the returner like where you're looking up at the sky and you're just seeing this ball spiraling towards you and then all that you can like you can hear like the you know the ground shaking of all these stampede yeah the stampede <laughs> all coming to try and hit you and like it must be a terrifying thing really to 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 kick return in the NFL so is it is it something that needs to be looked at going forward in terms of you know player safety I just thought I'd bring it up um 
well, obviously after the game, and um, who is it? Trey Cannon was it his name? Trent Cannon, yeah. Trent Cannon. After he took the injury and then went off in the ambulance, you do look at that and your instant reaction is, yeah, that needs changing. Mm. But without like watching too many full games, is it like is there that many glaring injuries on kickoff returns? I think it would take. There's so much change by the league now. Mm. There's so much softness come into the league now. It's probably one of the last remaining thing. What's quite special teams is the only really yeah. main thing where you can get physical. Yeah. Like you can actually get physical. And even though the players like get injured and really bad things happen, I pretty much say the, the, the players on special teams probably would turn around and go, no. Even the returners would probably just turn mm. around and go, no, I want to keep it like this because this is the last bit of physicality the league actually is letting go of. Mm. Look at look at defense now. Like you only need to tickle a quarterback under his chin and that's it, you're done. Yeah. Like, like Russ, it happens with Russ. Mm. Um roughing the passer. And yeah, yeah. they were. They were very, very they're, they're soft. soft, aren't they? Yeah, they're soft. So you, you you then start limiting what you said was right, like the XFL did have a good system. Yeah. But then you start limiting that out of because I'm pretty sure in the XFL they were a bit more lenient on hits in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So you turn it you turn it a little bit too soft for such a physical game. Yeah, and I suppose the, those kick returns are also like um the way that these players make their living, I suppose, because like like you say, if I know there's no one really on it because, you know, if DJ wasn't on the kickoff returns, he'd still be involved in some aspect in the running game probably. But in terms of other players and like, you know, Devin Hester couldn't really nail down, you know, a, a receiving job in the NFL. So he goes to kickoff returns and that's where he makes his living. That's where he makes his, you know, his, his name from. So these guys, that are, I guess, go on special teams are, you know, a lot of these backup guys who are trying to, that, that's their one chance and their one area to, to excel and, and earn their roster spots and earn their money. So I, I suppose you're right in that sense. They would probably turn around and say, no, like this is my only way of proving myself to to an NFL team if I take kick returns. I don't know what I don't know what you think, Josh, but look at Nick look at Nick Below. Yeah. Just quickly. Look at Nick Below. Like they have started using him in different areas. Like linebacker, I'm sure he was in on the line when Adrian Peterson yeah, was. Wasn't, he, wasn't he blocking on the line yeah, he was, yeah, he when was. AP went in for the touchdown? So look at him. He'd be, you'd lose a all-pro special teamer there in mm. one hit. That's his mm-hmm. livelihood. That's his job. Yeah. I think the, the kickoff return thing is it's a double-edged sword. So you've got player welfare, but then as Pez hit the nail on the head, I'll, I'll agree with everything he said there. The player welfare aspect is fine. However, the XFL did it to try and make the game more open and free-flowing. If the NFL did it as well, what's the point in having the two leagues? Mm. Now, you need to differentiate somewhere. But freak accidents happen in open play, in normal games. If you were to in- implement every safety feature in a contact sport, it would be soccer. You know, it it just become our football. Yeah, that'd be it because you wouldn't be able to hit anyone. It's basically basically playing flag football. You know, 
Pretty much. And I think it's it's, it's a matter of like the, the NFL have done really well since the, the whole concussion debacle of limiting certain hits and making things safer. But you can't take away a bit of physicality. Like like Pez said, it is the the only real bit of head-on, full bore physicality left. Because when you're a wide receiver, the only time you'll get clocked properly is if a safety runs at you from the side. Mm. Now, a kickoff return is just man-on-man, head-on. It's like playing British Bulldog. And you you must, as you said, as a kick returner, first of all, you've got to concentrate on catching that ball. Otherwise, you muff it, you look like a twat. Secondly, you've got to then catch it, (laughs) look up and go, holy crap, I've got 11 God knows what stone men running at me, full pelt, and I've got to either run at them or try and find a gap. Mm. You know, if you are trained, if you're coached properly, you will know how to take that contact and you won't get injured. If you are not coached properly, there's a high chance of injury, but that's why coaches get paid so much. Yeah. This this injury was was a freak injury where he went to tackle someone and he unfortunately got hit by his own player. You know, and that's why it was a secondary knock that jarred his head, wasn't it? Mm. And and that that's just it's just unlucky. It's the the, the risky rate, the risky um, run playing football and playing any contact sport. Yeah. You know, it it's, it's, seems like a horrible thing to say, but anyone who's played a contact sport will. They know the risk. Everyone does. Mm. You know, you just, you just have to get over it. And there'll be certain things that people look at and go, we need to change that. That is far too dangerous. Yeah. You know, rugby's done it with no tackles above the the armpit area. Yeah. Fine. The NFL have said no head-on-head collisions. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's mitigating the risk. It's not taking it away because you're never willing to contact sport. Yeah. But I think I think it is obviously this is sort of highlighted some areas for some people, but I don't think things will change. I think it'd be too much leaning towards the XFL. Yeah, Inter- like I say, I just thought I'd get your opinion. Obviously, with you, Josh, with you know you've had experience with injury. Obviously, rugby is similar in the sense of the way it does the drop kick system, and then the players like catch it. That's sort of similar to like a bit of a kick return, and then you run. You know, we're, we're, we're fortunate that we've got a little bit more time. I think. Um, well, I say a little bit more time depends on how bad the kicker is, but I, I will say having caught a few of those, it's pretty terrifying. But the mm. the benefit we've got in rugby is that we can pass it to our mate behind us. Yeah, yeah. So if if you if I look at ten four like eight forwards and all of the players running towards me, I just go, no, that's your ball now. Yeah. Whereas in the NFL, the lateral is very rarely used, and they just yeah. go, ah, you know what, I'll do it myself. That tends to be how it goes, yeah. But no, I don't like to say it's a, it, it's an interesting one. It, it's a it's a topic for, that sort of you know splits opinion and always gets brought up when there's a big injury. So I thought thought I'd bring it up. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about before the before we bring in positive Pez for his uh, little segment that I won't ruin this week? I'm uh, no? I'm, I'm pretty happy. No. I think we we've, we've covered some good stuff there, and I, yeah. I'm quite happy to finish on a full on positive. Lovely positive Pez. Right, so it's a optimistic positive section. This one's going to be a bit crazy, but so Russell Wilson's never won in Lambeau and he's never won in LA against the Chargers or the Rams. Never done it. Now, obviously, we've had one win, so everyone thinks we're going to go six and zero and make the playoffs. I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to say if Russell Wilson 
manages to come out of LA with a win against the Rams, everything will fall right. We will end up with the last seed in the playoffs. And that's it. The positive charms are absolutely singing a sweet wow. song this evening. Dear me. That's as op- optimistically positive you're ever going to get out of me. It's ridiculously going to happen. So you're saying we beat the Rams, we get that seven seed? Yes. Wow, Josh. <laughs> um, I'm, first of all, I'm... I'm flabbergasted by <laughs> the most English word for shocked that you've you've been that optimistic and positive. Secondly, mathematically, like if we do this, this will show the true heart of the team. And I will happily eat a lot of my words, apart from the fact I think we new head we need a new head coach about everything we've said over the last few pods. But uh, Pez, I salute you, sir. That, that, that's for you, you've oh, lost for words. For a win as well, I took a sprinkle a little extra one on there. Oh, yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago that I reckon if Russ comes back all right after his hand, so another little sprinkle on top, I think Russ is going to go... If no one can see it, but I'm sprinkling with my hand on the, on the yeah, hundreds of for the amusement. Yeah. For the yeah. amusement, is Russ is gonna turn into the start of 2020 Russ, and he's just MVP gonna finish the season. He's gonna finish the season on an absolute tear. One of them two is gonna happen, if not both. Yeah, two for the price of one today, because we're one. I mean. Exceptionally good move. So we're, we're getting a seventh seed. Russell Wilson's back on the tear. Are we four and eight or are we eight and four, by the way? Eight and four in my head. You're eight and four, right. <laughs> Deary me. Right, you. Look, you can't help yourself. Chucking a little dig in there, can you? Are we eight and four or four and eight? Before we go any further down that hole... After next week, are we going to be five and eight or eight and five? And if we are going to be oh. five and eight or eight and five, what's everyone's score predictions? Pez, as you schooled both James and I yeah, last week, you, did. you go first, mate. I'll give you two an opportunity and one of you two can go first. I want to see how big my number can get. I, Off the back of that, I will be disappointed if we don't put 37 plus. On the te- uh, honestly, because they are so bad, they've got nothing. They're, they're just tanking. They're, they're just playing backups at this point. They're just tanking. They look awful. It's not like the Lions, like where they're actually like you know they're one and then they're playing a few decent teams close. Like the Texans are just awful. So honestly, if 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 positive Pez is right and Russell Wilson is going to go on a tear, MVP Russ would put thirty-seven plus points up on this on this Texans defense. So I'll go. To round it up to a better number than 37, I'll go, um, oh, I'm going to sound like positive James now. Um, <laughs> Don't I'll do that, f- computer might break, mate. <laughs> Come on, James, I'm, to, I'm writing these scores down. Do you know I'll go 41, 10, 41, 10. 
Why not? Why not? Why not? Go on then, Josh. I'm going 45-12. I think the Texans will only get kicks, penalties. I think Russ will go with... I think we'll score five touchdowns, six touchdowns, and a field goal. All converted touchdowns, obviously, because Myers is all right there. Right. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a bit more of a not as high as you two because you got to remember once yeah, we get we're too high. We're trying to impress positive players now. Pulling the rug from under our feet now. No, 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 no. They impressed me so much. All right, thank I'm, you. I'm going to go to bed tonight with a smile on my face. All right, Good. thank you for that. Good. I thought to myself, going at 37 was like yeah. high. But you two set the bar. I'm ashamed of myself one minute. Let me set myself out. <laughs> so you're going 37. I'm going to go 37-10 because they're going to get a garbage touchdown because, remember, you've got to think Pete Carroll go prevent by half-time. Mm. Um, so they'll get a garbage touchdown and a field goal. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to predict that Ross is going to get about four touchdowns. DK is going to get three of them. That's what I mean. Like, if, if you're right, he should, shouldn't he? I mean, we really, I mean, against this tech, we really oh, no. should. Oh, DK should absolutely fucking destroy these. And do you know what? Yeah. I'm going to be as bold to say, Everett had a crap game. I had a jib at him. But I think, actually, rescind it. I think Everett's going to, not DK because he's too obvious, Everett's going to get two touchdowns in this te- Texans game. I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll say Eskridge will add to his total as well. I fancy him. And, and Rashad Penny's going to get one. Ooh. See, there are not many players to look out for on the Texans. Uh, regrettably, I have their um, roster in front of me because I manage a Texans franchise that was uh, bestowed upon me in fantasy. But to be honest, the only people you need to look for are Brandon Cooks on offense and on the defense. Defense, defense, Jonathan Grenard. Um, and then you've got Camu Kruger Hill, the linebacker, Zach Cunningham, meh, um, Christian Kirksey, if he plays. But apart from that, you're safe, pretty safe. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Terrible. And th- this, is why, terrible. this is why I went so high because I see the fantasy scores for the Texans every week because they lose me most of my games. So I thought, sack it, 45. Mine's a more of a score prediction, mine more of a touchdown prediction. Everett with two, Penny gets one. The score can be what it wants to be, but them two, that's how it's going to work. All right, should, should we do first touchdown score while we're at it, just as a little Ooh. bit of fun? My God, we've become a bloody betting site. <laughs> we'll have a load of gambling, I need to listen. <laughs> when the, when the fun stops, stop, man. <laughs> after James is gambling, and he's getting in the reds, isn't he? He's psychologically yeah. working the listener. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Penny? Then or Everett first touchdown, Pez? Do you reckon? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Penny because I reckon Pete's gonna have a bit more control over this game, and he's gonna nice. be adamant on establish, establishing it. Yeah. Smash okay. Josh, who do you reckon? 
Oh, first TD, I am going for. Oh, this is a difficult one because I, 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 I never like to pick the obvious. I was going to say Freddie Swain, but I reckon Lockett. Okay. I think I'll go for a real, really ballsy one and say the Texans are going to get the ball first. Davis Mills is going to throw a pick six to Quandre Diggs. Oh, like it? No, no. Oh. Even better, James. Jamal Adams gets no, 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 no. It's pick Andre. I'm going to note them. So every single week going forward, I'm going to note these predictions, and we'll come back to them to start yeah. the show. Yeah, and there you go. Well, I think that's that's us, isn't it? That's pretty much us. Yeah. We we do have one thing to say. I do. Jordan Brooks is going to get his first interception this game. There you go. I can't, I can't go a podcast without mentioning my man. You can't. Cannot, well, cannot. speaking of linebackers, and I've, I've, I alluded to it earlier, so next week we have a very special guest after the Texans game um, who is one of the Seahawks' great linebackers um, and a fantastic person. Uh, we have Lof Tatupu joining us. So for all our listeners, yeah, if yeah. you want any inside knowledge on what it takes to be a linebacker in the NFL, um, what it's like to retire from the NFL and go into coaching, and generally just what the guy is like, join us. I'm really excited for this guy. He's such a nice fellow. Yeah, I'm really excited. He's, yeah. uh, he's one of them sort of... Uh, before him... It was all that. I think it was one of those sort of innovators, wasn't it? The linebacker position where it was like before that, it was like your your Erlackers and your your sort of your Lawrence Taylors and your big sort of bulky linebacker. Whereas now everyone wants a Jordan Brooks, a you know, a a, 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 a agile linebacker. And, and Lawford was that, wasn't he? So he's he's going to be a hell of a hell of a guest to get on. Really looking forward to to speaking to him. Um, obviously, I'll Following his social media and listening to the podcast he does, he seems like. We'll get on with him very well. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mind a little left bomb here and there. So, meaning we just, we just, <laughs> we just we can't have any uh, FP carols or anything like that, can we? Because he's a, he's a USC guy. So, we well, we're not going uh, to. We're, we're going to ask him about to. Pete. We'll ask him yeah. about Pete. We'll ask him about his personal opinion, his experiences. But anyway, if, if you want to know what happens, listeners, tune in next week. It's going to be amazing. It's yeah. going to be so nice. Yeah, certainly it's, is. Can't wait. Um, but for now, thanks for listening to us this week. Obviously, make sure to tune in next week. We'll probably be doing another live again this Friday, hopefully. Um, so feel free to to drop us drop in on that on the Twitter spaces on Friday night. Um, and like I say, it, it it feels good to have been more positive this week. It's been a nice, refreshing, positive podcast. That was that was that rang that well, didn't rang, but that that felt good to come off the tongue. Positive podcast. I like it. What? Welcome to the club, lads. <laughs> I know, yeah. And and now, just before we get out of it, I'm going to smash my wall down because this next door neighbour of mine doesn't stop shagging. So you know, see your your little your little positive space, your little positive space was nearly as cosy as my Christmas jumper then, and you just smashed the illusion. With, with the, the noises that are probably coming for your next door. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
We could cut this out, but my yeah. fucking no, god, mate. Oh no, it stayed in. It, it stayed in. It stayed in. <laughs> my god, I'm not I'm not joking. She, I swear she's putting the fucking wall down. Yeah. Could you imagine mad. if they listened to us? Are they the Ox fans next door? Do they listen? They'd be mortified. Yeah, no? say, maybe they've got us on in the background. Do you know what you, do you know the best thing you can do is like the wall where they're at, just start clapping along, you and your missus on the other side of the wall. We're clapping along with a rhythm. <laughs> And see if they stop. Guarantee they will. That that's my little gem for you. <laughs> so if anyone's in a house that's got a noisy neighbour, just clap with cheer every now and again if you want. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, James, take it away. <laughs> yeah. So no, like I it's 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 been a nice positive podcast tonight. Um, it's been a nice little change of pace. No real negatives. We 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 slip one or two in just because we have to. We have to we have to look at it from both sides of the coins. But for our for for the way we normally do it, that was a nice positive podcast. And like I say, very much looking forward to next week with with Lofer and lots of positives and lots of insights. Hopefully we'll get from him as well. So that should be a really good discussion. Um, but no, for now, thanks for listening to us this week. And um, hopefully, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm going to jinx it by saying we'll be talking about a win next week because if I do, then. I mean, seriously, boys. Like, is there any point anymore? You like, won't be really? on the podcast next week if, if no, you're not going to find you. No. Um, so please don't let me down this week. So I mean, seriously, it, it, it's it's harder to lose this one. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be another win next week, and we'll be back on with more positives. Um, but for now, thanks very much for listening, everyone, and go Hawks. Go Hawks.